this this evening to this platform. Yes, yes. All right. Give a hug, man. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad y'all came out tonight, and uh, we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. That's something I know a little bit about. I'll be a Christian now. I'll be born again uh, 50 years next year. Wow. 50 years. Wow. Knowing the Lord and learned a lot of things in the last several years. You know, when you have children, you know what spiritual warfare is? Yeah. You get really, you know, man, when you, get, when you get into relationships, you understand what spiritual warfare is, or at least you learn. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. You know, one of the things that I've learned through the years, and especially going to the nursing homes and talking to a lot of older Christians, is that they have a lot of doctrines and traditions. Jesus said those things will make the word of no effect in your life. And, you know, I don't know why that is. I think people just hear things through repetition and they say, well, you know, I think the Bible says that. And I heard that the Bible said that. And this is kind of what we believe. And one of the things they always say is, you know, when your number's up, <laughs> when your number's up, there's nothing you can do. You just go. And when they say that, I always kind of picture, you know, like a lottery in heaven. You know, there's the basket there. It's got all the numbers in it. And, and God says, draw a number out. And he says, number 17. Number 17 in Tyler, your time's up. You know, it's not like that. You and I have a lot to say, a lot to do with our salvation and redemption. There's an admonition to work out your salvation. And literally that means to work it from the inside out is what that's talking about. And, you know, I'm always thinking about, you know, we just get to hearing things and we don't look to see what the Word has to say about it. And certainly when it comes to uh, spiritual warfare, a lot of Christians don't even recognize that. They think when the apostles left, everything went with them. You know, we don't need to do that. All the demons are in the, the deepest, darkest uh, recessions over there somewhere in Africa. You know, when Jesus was at the Last Supper, you know, Satan was present there at that time. The Bible says that after he had taken sop, after Judas had dipped in and he had taken sop, he said the devil entered into him immediately. So Satan was there in the midst of that. But you need to know some things tonight. You know, one of the things I've always remembered is kind of like the guy that was down in Chicago and he was walking down the streets and, you know, he saw a guy standing on the corner and the guy was standing there and he was doing like this. And he walked up to the guy and he said, man, are you okay? And he said, oh yeah. He said, I was in the war. I got that in the war. And he hugged him and he said, oh man, thank you for your service. He walked on about another block and there's a guy standing there doing this. And he said, hey, he said, are you okay? He said, oh yeah. He said, I got that in the war. He said, I can't do anything about it. Oh, uh, thank you for your service. And he walked and he turned the corner. And there was a guy down there doing this. And he said, did you get that in the war? He said, no, I got it out of my nose and I'm trying to get rid of it. <laughs> you know, hey, you know, here's the deal. Hey, the, you know what? I'm trying to prove a point. You don't assume anything. You need to know what's going on. Just because you heard it before don't mean that's the way it's going on all the time. Right? Huh? That's right, Pastor. That's right. Good illustration right there. Yeah, I didn't think that up, you know. Nevertheless, it's like, you know, it's kind of like the ship's captain. He's out there on the ocean. All the water's coming in the boat, man. Things are really bad. He steps up before the whole crew and he says, Is there anybody out there that knows how to pray? This one sailor jumps up and he says, Oh, man, I know how to pray. He said, That's good. We've only got one life jacket left. It was his. You know, he, he didn't have one. Well, it went over, went over somebody's head. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, let's look at this. Let's talk a little bit tonight about spiritual warfare. 
And you know, uh, if you look, I think I have that first scripture. If you'll pull that up, please, in John 15 and 20. You know, when you read these scriptures, they really don't bless you. Because they talk about, you know, some hatred here, some things going on. He said, remember the word that I said unto you. This is Jesus speaking. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And I will tell you this, you know, if you've been in this world, you're a believer, you know, you're going to un- you're undergo persecution. You are not immune from persecution. You'll never be immune from that. Jesus wasn't, and you won't be. Look at the next scripture. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Boy, you know, that doesn't really bless you, does it? You know, I don't need any more hate. I don't need people hating me. And when I worked as a state trooper, I had plenty of people hating me. <laughs> oh, man, I never heard. I, I, rarely did anybody run up and grab me around the neck and say, oh, thank you for that ticket. Thank you for putting me in jail. Oh, you did me a service. Most of the time, you know, it was just the opposite. They really hated me for that. But you'll find out the word hate used in the Bible is not always talking about a deep heart uh, hatred for someone. It really sometimes has to do with to being ostracized or shoved aside. And you're going to see that as a Christian, you're going to find out when you start getting into spiritual warfare and understanding and exercising that, there are a lot of other Christians who will ostracize you. They'll push you away. I mean, you can bring it up. I do it sometimes when we're drinking coffee with some other guys, and they'll look at you like, man, what are you talking about? We don't do that anymore. They used to do that in the Bible, but we don't do that anymore, and they won't come around much. Look at this scripture. Look at Matthew 10, 22. And you shall be hated by all men for my name's sake. For his sake you will be hated. You know, the reason for that is you understand that when you get born again, you are light and you are salt in the earth. Man, you are, you're, you've come into an earth that's full of darkness. The world system is a system of darkness. What's of this world? That's why Satan is called the God of this world. He's not the God of the kingdom of heaven. He's the God of this world. He is darkness, and you are light in the darkness. And a lot of persecution will come your way because you are light. You don't do what everybody else is doing. You don't run to do the things that they do. You don't speak the way that they speak. And this brings a lot of you. Most of you know these things, but some of you have not been believers very long. You need to know this. Sounds like, look at part number one there. It says, sounds like we have a target on our back. You know, the pastor and I have talked about this. The more you press into the Lord, and I see this for every advancement, there's a counter advancement. For every action that you take, when you really start to commit to God and you really want to see the power of God flow, I can tell you, you become a greater target. Christians don't like to hear that. For the most part, they're not taught this. For the most part, most Christians become very passive if you, don't, if you think that, that there is not a spiritual realm, if you think that these things are still not happening as they did in the day of Jesus, then you'll become passive. And actually, you'll become a prisoner of war by default. You know, you don't get to sit out. You don't get to sit on the sidelines because by default, you will be taken captive at will. And you need to understand that, uh, you know, your light and your salt in this earth. Look at point number two here. Who is it that hates us so much that they would persecute us? Who are the they in that scripture? Now, this is something very important for you to understand. And I'll bring this out in just a moment. It's not people are not your problem. 
The, you may think, you know, boy, this, this, this child I have, this husband, this wife that I have, whoever it is, this person that I work with down at the job, they're the most obnoxious. They're the worst people to persecute me. They never uh, stop at a chance to take a slap at me, to, to, to slander me. You understand, and I'm going to show you this, it's not people that you have a problem with. And if you don't understand that, you're going to get real frustrated because then like most churches in the United States, they spend a whole lot of time trying to correct people in the flesh. They try to get, they try to get people to do right, act right. And there's a place for holiness, but you understand that if a person is not born again, all you're doing, man, you can get very frustrated with that person because you see, they don't understand that they have a core problem. They don't understand that they're still sold under sin, that God, that Satan is still their father. You know, Jesus said that to the religious leader of his day. And boy, it made him mad. He said, you're of your father, the devil. Man, these were the top-notch people in the synagogue. And he said, you are of your father, the devil. These people are still sold under sin. There's a deeper problem that they're dealing with that they're not aware of. But you as a believer need to know it. And when you're dealing with those people, you need to go to what's driving or what's behind them. Most Christians don't understand that. They spend all their time trying to correct that person in the flesh, trying to correct Christians in the flesh, because a lot of Christians don't understand what they've been delivered from. They don't know their light. They don't know their salt. They hear those words. They're not baptized with the Holy Spirit of God who's going to lead them into all truth. Man, you know, you've got to know some things, right? God loves you so much, he wants you to be led into all truth, not just part of it, not just a little bit of it. That'll get you in a whole lot of trouble. Zeal without knowledge will get you destroyed. Man, I've run into people like that all the time, trying to go from zero to a thousand overnight, and they're not even baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're born again. But they're trying to excel, and they're trying to do it in their flesh, and they'll come up short every time. They'll crash and burn every time. Man, they'll get, I'll get off into some really strange things sometimes. And I, I've had experience with that with an individual. I don't have time to get into that. Sometimes I might do that. You have a sign. We have a target on our back. Look at this. We are light and salt. We are life in Christ. We display that life, right? In the demonic world. The spiritual world recognizes that. And I'll show you that in a moment. Look at this scripture, Isaiah 14, 15. We're going to define who the they are that he's talking about. He said, in righteousness thou shalt be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear. And from terror it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together but not by me. This is God talking. Who's the they? Oppression, fear, and terror. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, this sounds really strange to a lot of people because they think, well, you know, I don't see fear, terror, and oppression as really being an entity, but it is. All of these things, all three of these generally go together. I've experienced all three of them at one time in my life. I remember a time when I was going uh, over into the Dallas area to minister to my brother-in-law who was dying. And I spent the night in a motel there before we got there. And in the process of staying the night there, somewhere through the night, and I think I related this one time before, 
I I had a demonic presence come into the room. Man, I was laying there at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm laying there, and I'm, I'm asleep, and all of a sudden I wake up, and I feel pressure on the end of the bed mashed down. I felt the covers begin to be pulled back off of my chest, and I thought, uh-oh. Man, somebody got into this room. I have the chain on the door. Somebody got in here somehow. Maybe all they want is my wallet. I'm just going to lie still, and I can watch, and I can see when they pass uh, between the light, between the window and myself, And I'll know when they're out of the room. I laid there for a long time. I had a plan devised, you know, once they cleared the room, get up and see what happened. I laid there for a long time. Finally, I couldn't take it anymore. And I thought, well, I'll just jump up, turn on the light, and then whatever happened, happens. I did just exactly that. I looked at the door. The chain was still on the door. But here's what happened. I was demonically oppressed. Man, I felt like there there was something all over me, real close, pressuring me. And it was the worst feeling. I thought, maybe I'm sick. Something's going on. I went into the restroom, and I looked at myself in the mirror. But I couldn't see. All I could do, I could feel this presence on me, very oppressive. And, I, and quite frankly, very, I was very fearful at, at the moment. And it was almost turning to a place, I, you know what, I'm going to get out of this room. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go back home. But here's what I did. I took the Word. I took the Bible. I sat, I laid, I sat there in that bed. I turned on the light. And for one hour, I took every scripture that had to do with deliverance. And at the end of that hour, that thing just lifted off and went away. You know, most people wouldn't hear that story. I told a guy one day, a Christian, this guy's been a believer for a long time. He's baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm sitting there, I say, you know, I saw a lady raised from the dead one day. He looked at me and said, I just don't believe that could happen. I saw Jesus said, the works that I do You'll do also even greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father and you wouldn't believe that? I said, the lady died right in my presence, right in front of me. And if I had time to sit there and talk, I'd talk myself out of it. But I just jumped down there beside her and commanded her spirit back. Her eyes started fluttering. She got up and started walking around. And remember, I told you this last time, a couple of years later, I saw a lady that was present in that service, and she saw me. She came down the hall, and she pushed me up against the wall, and she looked both ways, and she said, I was there. I said, you were there? Yeah, I saw that. She said, that woman was dead. I said, she sure was. She said, I ain't never seen nothing like that in my life. I said, I hadn't either. If I just had time to stand there and think about it, I'd talk myself out. I'd call for an ambulance. But I didn't think about it. There was no time to doubt. I just jumped down there and did what Jesus said that I could do. Praise God for that. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord for that. So the they that he's talking about here is fear, terror, and oppression. How many of you know? Sickness can be very oppressive, right? Oh, man. A circumstance in your life can be very oppressive. It can bring fear. It can even bring terror into your life. Man, when I went through this thing uh, and, and with the fear and the terror and the oppression, part of this thing lasted for about a month. I was so terrorized that I would not sleep with the light off in the room. Man, it was terrible. And then through a, through a vision the Lord gave me, through a dream the Lord gave me, and a part of this thing, I don't have time to go into it, but I found myself laying flat on my back, and there was this huge, ominous figure standing over me with a sword and he had it right to my throat and I was I was so terrorized I couldn't move I was paralyzed and the Lord said take the sword and I'm laying there and I can't even move and he said take the sword and the moment I reached up and touched that the moment I touched it it just fell over it was like just a cardboard silhouette 
And the Lord was showing me how powerful fear and terror and oppression can become in your life. If you court it, if you don't recognize that it's the problem, it's not the sickness that you have that you have in your body. It's not what's going on around you. It's what's driving it. It's what's behind it. And when you, you're going to have to learn to speak directly to that thing and not to the problem. Don't talk to God about it. Talk to the mountain about God. Talk to that thing about what God's done in your life, what the victory that he's gained through Christ. Man, last Sunday, talking to Melissa, and we talk, I started talking about all of the victories we have in Christ. I started laughing about it. Man, I just started laughing about it. Because, you know, joy, joy is unspeakable sometimes. You ever experience that? But it doesn't mean you can't laugh about it. <laughs> you know, that speaks volumes. Satan can't stand that. Man, you know, what could you do with the Apostle Paul? Paul was beaten, shipwrecked, all these things, starved. And he said, I count it all light affliction for, the, for, for the, the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What can you do with a guy like that? What do you think Satan can do with you like that? What do you think the demons that are out there can do with you? You see, they don't know how to deal with that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And you can express that. You can confess that joy if you're willing to do it, if you'll take the time to do it. Let's move on. We're running out of time here. Look at this. Look at uh, Ephesians 6 and 12, number 3. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is not a physical fight. Man, you've got to understand that. It's not a physical fight, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The Amplified Bible says it like this, against master spirits. You know, these things have been around for years and years. They've learned a lot on how to deal with, with, with God's people. They know. I heard a, a pastor say this one time. He said, new level, new devil. I thought about that. I said, what are you talking about? New level, new devil. In other words, the more you understand, Satan can't come against you that way where he used to. Now, the more you know, he's going to come at you another way. He's going to come at you in another. The demonic activity will come after you in a different way. You're smarter now. You've learned some things. But until you leave this earth, you're not going to be wrestling against flesh and blood, but against these things that I just spoke about. Look at number four. Pray against these things, the they, and not people influenced by them. Speak the word to these things. Speak to fear. Jesus spoke to a fig tree. And I'm sure there were people standing around thinking, oh, boy, you know, is this is the Savior. He's talking to trees. You know, I'm sure some of the disciples are thinking, wait a minute, you know, we left everything here, and the guy's talking to trees now. Then at one time he's talking about drinking his blood and eating of his flesh. You know, when he started doing that, lots of people left. We're out of here. We're not into that. The Jews, for, to talk about cannibalism, that was extremely offensive to them. But Jesus said, my words are spirit in their life. And you're going to have to learn how to talk in the spirit. Look at this. Jesus spoke directly to Satan and not Peter. Oh, I love this. Jesus set a precedent here. You know, he's talking to the disciples one day. He's talking about how I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be resurrected. And Peter looked at him and said, oh, no, Lord, say it ain't so. <laughs> Jesus looked right at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Right. Now, can you imagine? There's, there's Peter. You know, he just, he just said, he's just trying to help Jesus out. He's just like, say, get behind. What are you, you calling me the devil? That's what he was doing. He knew that Satan, he went right to the source. 
He didn't jump on Peter and say, now you know we just send you to school. We need to send you back to the- theology school. You know, we need to send you back to college. Get some things worked out here. No, he went right to the core. He understood what was behind Peter at that time in his life. Listen, if Jesus did this, if Jesus did this, why wouldn't you think this is what you do? Whatever is in your life, whatever problem, situation, circumstance, mountain, whatever affliction, you need to go to what's behind that. You need to call it by name. The name of Jesus is above what? Every name. At his name, every knee must bow. Every knee must confess that he's Lord to the glory of God the Father. The faith that our pastor's been talking about and continue to talk about, let me tell you something about that faith. That faith is the faith of Jesus. That's his faith you have. That's why it's called the most holy faith. That's why you build yourself up on your most holy faith because it's his faith that you have. Man, have confidence in that. It's his righteousness that you have. It's his victory that you have. It's his home that you have. All that he's promised in covenant belongs to you. Not just when you get there. It's yours now. The promise is yours now. If promise is true. I think I heard that a few minutes ago. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's go with this. Number five. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means physical, but mighty through God, or you can put it like this, but mighty through the word. God and his word are one. But mighty through the word to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity with every thought to the obedience of Christ. Something in your body says, I'm winning this war. You're going to be crippled. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. It's never going to get any better. It's exalting itself against the word of God. By his stripes, you were healed. You ain't trying to get healed. You were healed. You need to enforce what the word says about you. And you keep enforcing that. You don't go by what you see, what you feel. You go by what God says, and you stay with that. You stay with that. That's what you do. That's the sword of the spirit. What are our weapons? We almost out of time. Listen to this. What are our weapons? Number seven, all the truths and promises contained in our better covenant established on better promises expressed in prayer and confession. Confession is made unto salvation. Remember that Romans 10, when you got born again, that word salvation means deliverance. Listen, here's a word for you. If your confession of the Lord Jesus when you got born again delivered you from eternal hell, eternal darkness, and translated you into his dear kingdom, gave you a heavenly home, why would it not deliver you from anything in this world? Poverty, debt, it doesn't matter. Jesus, what he did for us in covenant is the giving of all he is and all that he has. And the covenant exists between eternal God and the God-man Jesus. He'll never break it, and he'll never break it. And when you entered into Jesus, you entered into that eternal covenant. These eternal promises. Praise God. Here's a covenant confession. I'll end it with this. Covenant confession. I think I have it on there. Yeah. No weapon. Did that leave any weapons out? No weapon 
any pain, disease, sick, no matter what it is, no weapon formed against now this is I'm convinced no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That means it won't work. And every tongue that shall rise against me in judgment, I will condemn it. Who will condemn it? Will the church do it? No. Will God do it? No. Will Jesus do it? No. You have to condemn it. That means you cut the root of it. You speak directly. You picture in your heart. Your imagination is a wonderful thing. The Bible has a lot to say about imagination. There's the downside of imagination. There's the good side of it. But in your, you, um, God's given you the ability to picture things. You think in pictures. And you picture that sword cutting the root of whatever it is you're dealing with. That's the, and as you do that, your faith rises up and meets what you see in your imagination. He says, look, he said, uh, every tongue that shall rise against me in judgment, I will condemn it. This, this is your heritage, your covenant inheritance of the servants of the Lord, and my righteousness is of him, saith the Lord. This is your inheritance. This is your inheritance. Would anybody in this room, if you knew you had an inheritance, would you reject it? I mean, man, if it was a, if it was a boatload of money, if it was whatever, would you reject it? No. You would say, this is mine. <laughs> I'll fight you over it. It belongs to me. There was a debt. Pay. There was the blood of Jesus shed. There was a body broken. We just did that. We rehearsed it. We don't rehearse it just for no good reason. You know, every time we take that, I, I imagine in my heart, I see that. I see what Jesus has done for me. And boy, it will bring great joy. Your joy will rise up. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Listen to me. The words that I've spoken tonight are for you in this room. There's some of you in here. You know, I know, I realize it's for some folks, you've not been a believer uh, for very long, maybe. For some of you, you've not heard some of the things I've spoken about. But I know this. Jesus is still, the Holy Spirit's still our comforter. He's still our comforter. He's still our helper. He's still our intercessor. He'll help you understand. He'll help you make it through. He'll help you apply the principles that I've just spoken to you. I've had it done in my life. I've come through some extremely difficult things in my life, not because I'm special, not because, but because I am in Christ and I have a covenant with God in Christ. And that covenant, God said, I will never break my covenants nor alter the words that have gone forth from my mouth. We're in the time now, right? You need to take hold of this and begin to speak to what it is that's in your life. Don't speak, speak against the terror, the fear, the affliction, whatever it is. Call it by its name. Whatever it happened to, call it by its name. You have to condemn it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise, Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah, Pastor.